One of the things that's fun about uh, Thanksgiving is that uh, if you have a big family, maybe you have an older family, you have a lot of kids uh, running around, and one of the things you want to do is to keep them entertained. And one of the, you know, you don't always want to watch them uh, watch TV. You want to engage with them, but you don't always want them super hyped up and ramped around because that's exhausting. And so, one of the things you'll do is you'll try to find some low-key energy games to engage with your kids or your grandkids, especially around the Thanksgiving holiday, because families are together for sometimes 24, 48, 72, infinity hours, right? And so you want to have some games, and one of the best games that I've ever seen that is a low-key fun game that engages kids from 1 to 92 years of age is a game called One of these things is not like the other. You may have heard that if you have kids from Sesame Street. They are fun, amazing games. It's um, a game of spot the difference. And right now we are handing out some sheets where I would like you to play along spot the difference. Some of our pictures are going to be a little bit hard on the screen to see, but I would like you to follow along and see if you can figure out what the differences are between the pictures. Now, before you get too far ahead and solve the puzzle, pens down class, right? Uh, Because we want to make sure that our online uh, participants have a chance to play along as well. I want to give you the rules. Uh, If you know an answer that hasn't been shared yet, what I would like you to do is to just raise your hand if you're in the room, okay? If you are participating online and you're able to see your screen, to see the two images, and you figure out an answer that hasn't been shared yet, go ahead and type that in chat. I've got my laptop here, so I'm going to be jumping back and forth between our Facebook live stream and our website live stream. And so uh, this will help everyone to get a chance to play. So are you guys ready to play? Okay, let's try that again. Are you guys ready to play? Yes, all right. Here's one of these things is not like the other. As a matter of fact, a number of things are. Let's take a look at the first image. We've got a, what looks like a bear driving a car, and there are 10 differences that you need to find. So go ahead, and if you've got answers in chat, go ahead and type those out. If you've got an answer that you see here in the room, just raise your hand. And we will uh, see if that one's already been given or not. All right? So here we go. Who's got an answer? Right here. That's correct. There's a cloud in one picture on the right and not a cloud on the left. Good answer. Let me check the stream, see if we've got uh, something else. We've got a tail. A different colored tail has been mentioned. You see that on the left, it's blue. On the right hand, it's brown. You guys are really good at this game. This is actually really awesome. Way to go. All right. In the room, is there someone else? Can you spot one of the things that is not like the other between the two images? Back at the back. Correct. He's got both hands on the steering wheel in the right image and only one hand on the left. Bad driver, good driver. We're not making any judgments here today. This is a place of grace. You are correct on that one. How about on the stream? Let's see if we've got some others who are answering Uh, on the stream. We've got a mention of wheels that are different. And it looks like uh, one wheel on the front 
has uh, a couple of motion lines that are missing on the left-hand image. So that is true. Uh, what about in person? What's another thing that you're, is uh, different between the two images? Yes. Someone mentioned the clouds. Yes. Yes. No. Over here. The door handle is missing on one image to another image. That is correct. That's another one. Man, you guys are experts. Let's go back to the live stream and see what we see. We've got uh, the tail. The back tire has been mentioned now. The back tire, you can see that there are different colors of motion images between the two tires. So great spot on live stream. Good job, guys. How about in the room? What's another thing? Tracy. You're giving away two answers. I like that. Look at that. Skipping ahead in time. I like that. And it's true. There are two little motions that show like uh, additional bushes or sort of accent marks. Uh, so we'll check both of those off. And because in-person gave away two answers, let's see if we can get live stream to give away two answers as well. Uh, we're, we've got the cloud, back tire, the handle, the ears. Someone noticed the ears are different colors. That is correct. A good job, A and J from chat. Uh, let's jump over to the Facebook stream. I think there's only one other difference that is missing. Squiggly line on the bushes, back tire is white, uh, front, front line of the door. That's it. Uh, it is A and J once again coming through with the front line on the door. If you look right at the very front door where the hinge would be on the right-hand side picture, there's a line, but on the left-hand side picture, there is not. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Perfect. You guys did it. Give yourselves a big hand. Give yourselves a thumbs up and chat. And now, because it's church, let's do a spot the difference with Jesus and his disciples. Let's have the next image. <laughs> Here we go. All right. We have two images, uh, Jesus uh, walking with who I'm told from the title is John. They're very Americanized. This is not truly historical picture, very cartoony in nature. But let's see if we can find the picture. There are 10 things that are different. Let's start off with our Facebook stream and let's see if we can find anyone who's mentioning differences there. There's always a challenge with the Facebook stream because the Facebook stream doesn't show you every comment. Even as an administrator of the page, I can't see everything that everyone types. It kind of picks randomly what I get to see. That's why we always encourage you that if that's the issue and you want to fully jump in and participate, there's a private channel for prayer and things like that. That's right on our live stream. You can go to our website and participate there. All right, so the first thing someone mentioned on the live stream is ears, but, oh, that, that's probably the last question. Never mind. Let's skip that one and go to... Uh, Helen Marsh says sandal, and that is correct. You will see that one of his sandals, uh, John's sandals, was in the front, is a different color. All right, in person, what do you notice? Yes. The walking stick is a different length. That is absolutely correct. Good catch. Let's see if there's others on our live stream who have uh, seen some other things. Let's see. Uh, Ken says that the path is straight on the right stick, versus curved. If you look at the very uh, left-hand side, you can see it kind of zigzag back like the letter Z, but on the left-hand side, it's straight. Good catch, Ken. Nice job. Uh, let's see. Uh, in person. Yeah. 
Got to raise your hand. Yes. There's a stone. Help me out. There's a stone on the right in the bottom. The cheat sheet is not helping me at this moment. <laughs> Got it. Yes, I see it now. The reason was on the right-hand side cheat sheet, they circled empty space. That isn't where the rock is on the other side of the... Anyways, all right, good catch. Nice job. Way to go in person. Let's jump back to our live stream and see what else we've seen. We've got path is straight on right. We've got the rocks in the front. They mentioned that as well. Bush and trees on the far back left by the city. That is correct. You'll notice that at that first curve on the left-hand side picture on the path, that first uh, dip back, then there's a bush there that's not there on the right-hand side. Excellent job. We're back to in-person. What else do you see? Yes. The windows in the... I didn't think anyone would spot that one. This is the one that tripped me up, and I had to go find the cheat sheet where the teacher had put in all the answers for me. This, that's a great spot. Absolutely true. If you look all the way back on the, into the city, you can see that there's sort of open air on the left and closed off on the right. Good catch. In-person... Let's see, we've got uh, left-hand disciples' hair or hat. That's correct. The left-hand disciple, this is tough to see on the printed version, but the left-hand picture, he has a headband on. And on the right-hand picture, he does not. So good catch there. What else do we have? Uh, no, sorry, we did in person or online. Let's jump to in person. Yes. Up by the city, there is a bush missing right on the very, very left edge of the picture, right on the left-hand picture. That's correct. Good job. How about in person? The, uh, or, uh, online, we see that the right disciple has a bag on the left-hand image, and on the right-hand image, he does not. This disciple's not named. It's John, it's Jesus, and generic guy. <laughs> All right, good catch. We've only got... Uh, I think one more from what I can tell. One more. And that is, I think it's online's turn, right? Is that correct? Yes, it's online's turn. They have not answered yet, so they may forfeit their turn. Uh, nope. Uh, Helen Marsh said on our Facebook stream, the building's in the back on the right-hand side of the right-hand image. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You've got them all. Yes. Did you find more? Okay. We've got them all done. Give yourselves a big round of applause. You guys nailed it, knocked it out of the park. I am very, very impressed. Sesame Street would be proud. If there was such a thing as Sesame Street University and you could graduate from Sesame Street University, then you would be all set. Fantastic. That's, all, that's always a fun game, right? And it's fun to work together to spot all of the differences. However, we learned last week that sometimes we don't spot differences very well, do we? We learned last week, as Jesus has been teaching us what it means to be truly great 
followers of him. What it means to be truly great people. That, well, our interpretation of what we see and understand is not always the correct application. It's not always the correct interpretation. Especially when it comes to understanding what it means to being really great people. Remember last week we talked about a warning that Jesus gave. Beware the teachers of the law, the, the, the Pharisees. Why would you have to be wary of them? Why would you have to be aware of them? Because they're the religious rulers. For thousands of years, they've been guiding the people of Israel. This is what it means to have a relationship with God. This is what it means to be right with God. This is what it means to be right as his children. And Jesus says, look out for them. Because they love the long, flowing robes of success. And they love the places of honor, no matter who they hurt to get them. He says, watch out for those people. And in that text, of course, we learned that there's a warning for us as Christians that we need to be careful because sometimes we use God's word to justify our understanding of reality and we bowl over people. We run them over. So we've learned that um, truly great people are people who serve. Truly great people are people who are open to having their correct interpretation corrected by constantly asking themselves, before I go and correct someone else, what's the plank in my eye so that I can go and remove the speck from their eye? They are open to learning. They are open to new understanding. And today... We finish off Jesus' teaching on what it means to be truly great by talking about another area of truly great people. If you were to take a guess, you might know what the answer would be. Because Jesus is going to tell us that truly great people are generous. Think that's true? Raise your hand if you think that's true. Give a thumbs up if you think that's true. You do believe that's true. People who are successful, people who do well in life, if they hoard that to themselves, we think that's a waste. We think that's a travesty. Isn't that the story of a Christmas carol? Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, even the name Scrooge has become a verb for people who hoard, for people who don't help, for people who don't spread the wealth, who aren't generous with their possessions, who aren't generous with their opportunities. Of course, we... We look at that. We, we honor those who are successful. But Jesus says, not so fast. Because you may have a picture of what it means to be generous that is different from God's picture of what it means to be generous. One of these things is not like the other. And let me show you what I mean. Suppose that uh, someone were to make a million-dollar donation to the Golisano Children's Hospital here in Rochester. And at the same time, someone else were to make a $20 donation to the Golisano Children's Hospital. Two donations made on the same day, one for a million dollars, one for $20. 
which one would we celebrate more? Which one would they celebrate more? You'd celebrate the million dollars. It'd be on the news. So-and-so gave out of their estate a million dollars. We see that with philanthropists all over the world. We celebrate the, the large. We celebrate the big. We celebrate the size of the gift when it comes to generosity. And Jesus says, whoa, slow down. Because when it comes to generosity, one of these things is not like the other. And that's what he taught his disciples in this really strange, small little story in Mark chapter 11, starting at the 41st verse. If you have a Bible with you, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 41. If you have a Bible with you, uh, turn with me there. And let's see an odd thing that Jesus does and then teaches. He reads, says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. I think this is fascinating to me as, as a preacher and as a pastor for a couple of reasons. The one is, Jesus has a station that he goes to watch people as they put their offering in the offering plate or in the offering box. Wouldn't that be awkward? I mean, if that was the practice today about how we took up the offering, we put a plate at the back. You know, and maybe some people see you filling out an envelope or, you know, maybe your kids see you filling out the donation form online. If you give online, we, we just appreciate that. But imagine... If every time someone went to our giving page on our website, a webcam picture popped up with my face on it going. Imagine what that would be like. That's what Jesus is doing. He's watching people give. I know, I know, we practice that um, the left hand shouldn't know what the right hand is, is doing. But um, it's fascinating that Jesus would watch people give money. And who did he see? He saw a line of people giving all sorts of sizes of donations and gifts. And he saw wealthy people giving out large amounts of money. I don't know how much that money was, but it was large. And people saw. And people watched. But it's also fascinating to me because there's a woman in mind. Can someone remind me how, what Mark says that we know about this woman who's in line ready to give? She's poor. She's a widow. I find that fascinating. She comes and she puts in a few copper coins. What's it like to be a poor person in line with rich people? 
You feel it, don't you? You know when you are out of place. It's like um, when you wear your church clothes to Walmart. There's always someone at Walmart who just looks like they rolled out of bed, right? They look like they've, they just, someone got them to the door, backed up their bed and dumped them out in the lobby. Hair's all disheveled. They're in their pajamas. They don't even have a coat on. There's even websites where you can go and you can look up what is quoted by society as Walmart people. I'm not bashing Walmart in any way. I love shopping at Walmart. It's cheap. But it's interesting how when you get beside someone who, who dresses like that, who, who clearly feels comfortable in doing that, it, it's clear to you. You're like, wow, I am not in the right place. I've shared this story before where I had the privilege of doing a biker funeral. And the biker funeral was held at a funeral home where all of the different biker gangs came in all of their different colors, all leather, all black, all their badges, all their uh, coats with all of their titles written on the back. And there I am in a suit. I knew I was out of place. It was me and the uh, funeral home staff and then everybody else was in leather and jeans. And I felt out of place. This is what this woman feels. as She's getting in line where people are watching, giving the offering. Where Jesus, the teacher... The rabbi is watching what people give. And you know what I'm impressed about is she stays in line, puts in her few copper coins, and Jesus is like, oh, oh, guys, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. As soon as she puts her coins in, I don't know if it's just as she gets out of earshot or what, but he calls everyone over and says, guys, 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 who do you think has given the most money? That's a fun game, right? I don't know. I mean, that, that, that couple right there, they gave a big bag. Or that person right there, we, we kind of saw that he was flipping through the bills in his wallet. It was his really fat wallet. I mean, and look at how they're dressed. They must have given, like, a lot. He goes, no, 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 no. You're all wrong. It was this woman. Because where everyone else gave out of their wealth... She gives out of her poverty. And what Jesus teaches them in that moment is, I think the best biblical example of one of these things is not like the other. Because what Jesus teaches us is that generosity, the true measure of generosity, is not based on the size of the gift, but the size of the sacrifice. Real biblical generosity is not based on the size of the gift, but based on the size of the sacrifice. How much did the widow throw in? Pennies. That's what people throw in fountains because they say they're making a wish, but you know what I think they're doing? They just don't want the change in their pockets. This is weighing me down. It's weighing down my purse. It's out of here. I'm going to throw away stuff that doesn't matter. That's what people do with that kind of money. And Yet, Jesus says she's given everything. Why do this? If you're this woman, who's not just a widow, but she's a poor 
widow. Why does she do this? Why does she go through this kind of anxiety and potential humiliation? I think it's because she knew she had no one else. Everyone else had left her. As a widow, it would have been someone's responsibility to marry her, someone else from the family so that she could be provided for in those times. We just learned that last week, that it's kind of a practice that we don't follow anymore. I'm kind of thankful for that, at least in our laws. But if, if someone's uh, who's married, uh, the brother dies, let's say, and there's another brother who can take his place, they'll step in and marry the sister-in-law so that she can be provided for. But the fact that she's still a widow says that no one has done that or no one can do that. Which means that she has no one to provide for her. And she can't provide for herself. And the only one she has is God. And she wanted to be right with him. Because if she wasn't right with him, she has nothing else. There is no other alternative. This person gave out of poverty to be right with God because she knew there was no one else to be right with. Which makes me wonder, can the same be said of us? What do you and I give out of? Our wealth or our poverty? That can be a little confusing, so allow me to explain. Everybody see this? Can you tell what this is? It's a leather jacket. This is not my leather jacket. It's my wife's leather jacket. I bought this for her the year before we got married, about 21 years ago. As a college student who had just graduated and all the student loans were kicking in and we were renting an apartment to be uh, where we were going to live and going to be married, this is not a smart financially economical purchase. I, I couldn't have afforded her a bag from Wegmans that she could have worn as a coat. And instead, I get her a brand new, authentic leather jacket. It's a little worn these days, I mean, 20 years, right? But it's held up really well. I broke the bank for this. And you do the same for the people that you love, right? The people that you love, especially around this time of year, as you start thinking about giving gifts, you start thinking, um, what can I afford to spend? And if you really love them, you say, what can I afford not to? You want to, what would just surprise them, overwhelm them, and what can we do? This was so successful as a gift of pure extravagance. It's something that I couldn't afford, and I went and gave it anyways. <laughs> Did not fit in the plan. It was an additional expense. That um, maybe you remember the story, actually. I've told it a couple of times. Um, that I was employed at a church, uh, part-time, full-time. I was 
somewhere in the middle of, of either becoming full-time or I was part-time or just there, and I was called in to the senior pastor's office by my two bosses, the senior pastor and the associate pastor. And they said, um, uh, Brian, we have a problem. Uh, what's the problem? Did I do something wrong? I'm still learning ministry. You know, I may have said something. I may have done something. I said, we heard you bought Krista a leather coat. I, yeah, it's beautiful. It's nice. It's authentic leather. We, we picked it up from the one, you know, the one in the mall. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Shut up. You know who told us that? Our wives. And you know what they ask next? How come we haven't got a leather coat? Right? Now, of course, they were absolutely kidding. They had totally set me up. They had totally tried to make it this awkward situation. But I, I don't know how they learned about the coat, and they, they didn't seem to be in any trouble. But they just laid it on so thick. Do you know how much trouble you've gotten us into? Because you're doing something that's so sacrificial to someone you're not even married to. You're putting us in a bad spot. I just, I love the fact that they did that to me, and I hate them for it all at the same time. And that's, I think, a great example of what it means to give out of our poverty. Because we will give anything for the ones that we love. We will give absolutely everything for them. And so the question that you and I need to wrestle with as we want to be great followers of Jesus, as we want to be great Christians, is simply this. Are we giving out of our wealth or are we giving out of our poverty to the one who has given so much for us? Now, I get it. I don't think God needs our money. But he does it because he knows that our hearts follow our money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so don't just give out of your excess to God, but give sacrificially to God. Now, hear me well. I love the fact that we are working through a gospel together. Because then I get to blame the author and the writer for the way that he organized the stories that he wanted to tell and the truth and principles that he wanted to tell. I'm not cherry-picking the text, in other words, because I have a point that I want you to do something. I know we have just borrowed a whole lot of money to replace the roof. It's not my point to try and persuade you to give money to the roof. And I know that we are short on budget this year, and it's not my point that we need more people to give and we need people to give more in order to overcome that shortfall. It's not what I'm asking. Those are just realities. What you give is up to you. Hear me well. As your pastor, as a friend, what I am not asking you to do is surrender everything to this church. What you give is up to you. Can you just tell that to your neighbor? Can you type that in chat real quick? What you give to the Lord is up to you. Say it to someone next to you. One, two, three. What you give to the Lord is up to you. 
But here's the question that I want you to wrestle with today. This is all I want you to do. Are you a generous giver? And when you say, yes, of course I'm a generous giver. Is it because of the size of the gifts you give? Or is it because of the size of the sacrifice? Great people give sacrificially. I believe that generosity for the Christian begins with the biblical tithe. The 10% that was practiced in the Old Testament, I think Jesus elevates that without commanding it. I think he elevates that by telling this story. I think the New Testament pushes that even higher by putting this sacrificial element to our giving to the Lord. What is a financial sacrifice for God is not the correct question. It's what is a sacrifice to you that is a sacrifice to the Lord. For someone, that may mean the need to drive that clunker just a little bit longer. You've got your eye on a vehicle that's brand new or new to you that you think, God, this, this would make life so much easier, but God has prompted you or seen or there's something that you want to change or it's going to adjust your pattern of giving to the Lord's work that you say, you know what, I'm going to drive that a little bit longer. Yeah, I'd like the new bells and whistles and the heated seats and the Sirius XM radio for six months and all of that. I'd love to have all that, but I have someone I love more. That may be your level of sacrifice. That may be that home that you wanted to close on, that apartment that you wanted to have, or that vacation that you wanted to take. That's just going to have to wait because you've got someone that you love more. But for others, that might be, I'm going to take PB&J for the next six months instead of going through the drive-thru or hitting the cafeteria for lunch. What is a sacrifice to you that is a financial piece of generosity to the Lord? Decide what that number is. It's kind of homework, but I want to encourage you to consider what you have and ask yourself that question. What is a sacrifice for me to give to the Lord? And then I want you to tell someone about it. Best case scenario, I think, for those of us that are married is to share that with your spouse. Uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University has a great segment in it about how usually in a marriage, one person is kind of the, the bean counter and the other person is not. And so they kind of have to work together to come onto the same page financially and set goals for each other. And I think this is one of the best ways that couples can begin to communicate. What, what do you think a sacrificial gift to the Lord financially is for us? What is something that we know we maybe need to have, but we're going to trust the Lord in this and we're going to give to his work first? What do you think that is?
My wife and I have those conversations all the time. We fit the Dave Ramsey uh, stereotypes of, of free spirit and nerd, I think it is. <laughs> is that the word? You can decide which one is who. Be careful now. And we talk all the time about, look, this is what our pattern of giving is. What do you think is a sacrifice for us to give? I think it's this. I think it's this. And lean into that. If you're not married, it's okay. If you're younger, ask your parents or or a mentor or grandparents if they're Christians who want to honor the Lord with their finances. Essentially, what I'd like you to do this week as we ramp up for the Christmas season is to encourage you to do a personal giving audit and to ask yourself, what is a sacrifice for me? What is generosity to me that I can give to the work of the Lord? Can I encourage you to do an audit of what you give to the Lord, not based on the amount, not based on the size of the gift, but based on the size of the sacrifice. That's what great people do. Great people give sacrificially because they know the one they love the most and they will sacrifice anything, anything for him. As we come out of the season of Thanksgiving and enter into a time the holidays of Christmas, which often centers around giving gifts. It's in that spirit, I want to encourage you to give generously to the work of Jesus that he is doing. Out of a response of what he means to you. And remember that as you do so, generosity is not about the size of the gift, but the size of the sacrifice. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for the words that Mark wrote about how to be great, how to be great in your eyes, what it means to be great. It means to be a servant. It means to be teachable and correctable, no matter how wise we think we are. And it means being generous. And Lord, would you help us to spot the difference between what we feel intrinsically, what culture tells us, what we celebrate in public is true generosity. That is the size of the gift. Would you help us to have a different understanding? Would you help us to spot the difference of that definition of generosity with your definition of generosity? That it's not the size of the gift, but it's the size of the sacrifice. Lord, would you help each one of us to do some soul searching? And may your Holy Spirit shine his light into every part of our soul and our motivations. And as we look at how you have blessed us financially, whatever that blessing is in size, 
Would you help us to wrestle through the hard questions of what it means to sacrifice financially to you and your work? Would you remind us of how everything belongs to you? We are only stewards. Would you remind us that you are our provider? That you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that if we don't have you, then we truly don't have anything. As we wrestle through those difficult questions, Lord, would you help us to see what a sacrificial gift is to your work? And would you help us to give that gift to you? Even if, it, even if it's our all. Because you have given all for us. Thank you for that helpful reminder, Father. May we walk as generous people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.